of Saturday, breaking cycles, we rebels. Stuff of Saturday, uplift with love. Stuff of Saturday, breaking cycles, we rebels. Welcome to Self Love Saturday, where loving ourselves is an act of rebellion. This is your favorite host, Dr. Anissa Shomo, author of Health is Love and Coming Soon to Love Rebellion. And I have a special guest here with me today, Alex Thomas. Hey, everybody. So we have done an episode before, um, but remind people who you are. Oh, yeah. So um, hello again. I'm Alex Thomas. Um, I am an entrepreneur in the Covington, Kentucky area. Um, I own a business called Looping in Alex, where we provide executive and administrative assistance services. So that's a little bit about me. Um, I'm originally from Chicago, which I didn't mention before. Shout out Chicago Bears. Um, but um, <laughs> my mom's from Chicago, South Side, South Side, always got a rep. <laughs> But I've been living here for a little while, um, and I'm, I'm glad to be here today. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, and I'm really excited about our topic for today. So part of Self-Love Saturday is, you know, we've talked, the last couple of episodes, we've talked about just some of the things we deal with, with as women, with objectification of ourselves and, you know, things that people say about our appearance. But at the end of the last episode... Um, we kind of transition a little bit to talking about how sometimes talking about a lot of those things can be a distraction from the things that women really deal with, um, that, you know, we should be trying to find solutions for these problems. And the more that we just talk about women as objects and not really so much about the, you know, the society impact um, mm-hmm. that we have and that sort of thing, like the things that really could make our society better if we if we stopped objectifying women and talked about things that really matter about our lives um, and really saw us as like people you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> who, like whole people right like who like who need who have problems who you know that there need to be solutions for these problems to make our entire society better so that's kind of actually one of the reasons why I wanted to write the love rebellion because it's like yeah. okay we want to talk about you know accepting ourselves, loving ourselves. But we also want to talk about society accepting the fact that women are whole human people who have really real things going on in their lives and have problems that we need solved and how much that really impacts our society because a hundred percent, you know, a lot of us are birthing and raising children and even like someone myself who hasn't birthed a child, I've raised a lot of children just being from a large family. I mean, so it's just one of those things of like, we have such an impact on society, but we're always reduced to like nothing. I feel like often. Yeah. A hundred percent. And we are the society. So it's crazy. Yeah. Because without women birthing children, there would be no society. You know? <laughs> Literally the whole crux of it all. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We, so it's just one of those things. Like I said, I haven't, I haven't personally birthed a child, but I understand like how important that is to keep our society going and how important it is to still be a part of like nurturing children and, and people in general um, to move our society forward. And, you know, just, just that mother that's with, within all of us to nurture our society, whether we have birthed children or not, or even like, you know, take it like how so many people just take care of other people's children, regardless exactly. whether or not they have birthed them. So true. True, yeah. true, true. 
So as we talk about that, since we're talking about, you know, birthing children, mothering children, um, caring for children, one of the things that stuck out to me this week was um, this conversation about COVID. So mm. some people may know I'm a family doctor, so I've been dealing with this new COVID surge. Yeah. And I've been seeing so much for me, it's like, I've been making a lot of observations about it, just having, so I have eight sisters and seeing what my sisters have to deal with, with their young children, trying to figure out how to be able to work and, you know, do the virtual learning with their children as school is closed currently, or school is, um, gone virtual so the schools are closed and then but the teachers are now trying to teach virtually and the impact that that has been having on my sister was a conversation that we were having and then I have been at work with my colleagues who are trying to take care of our patients but then also having a lot of issues with their children having COVID or with the the caregivers like their babysitters having um having COVID um so it's just been like this past like two, three weeks, all I've seen is women trying to figure out like how to take care of their children, how to take mm-hmm. care of work, um, having to cancel work and feeling bad about that. One of my yep. colleagues, you know, we have like a group chat <laughs> of work wives, <laughs> we call it the work wives. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, so, you know, they're all stressed out and talking about, you know, just like, I feel bad canceling patients again. Um, but we're like, don't feel bad. You know, it's a, it's a terrible situation. And it is what it is. And you got to take care of your children first, right? Um, but so I saw this PBS um, article about how a million women left the workforce in 2020 because it was just too much to try to balance all of that. Yeah. And so for me, I, you know, even though I have mothered children and nurtured children um, as an auntie, um, yeah. I didn't, I don't have that same kind of pressure and um, knowledge about, and I guess even stress. That's one of the things they said. They said that women True. are yep. not sleeping, like they're sleeping less. They're worried about how they're going to make ends meet. They're That's worried about their children. So I wanted to talk to you, Alex, more about just what your experience has been trying to navigate all of this. Yeah, sure. So while I didn't mention it in the beginning, um, I am a single mom um, of three beautiful little girls who are in very different um, arenas in life. I have a high schooler, a middle schooler, and then a grade schooler. And they all go to three separate schools, by the way. So yeah, um, it has definitely been um, a huge shift in just living life. um, Because it almost, I think in 2019, it was a scramble. Like nobody knew what to do. Schools were ill-prepared. You know, it was, we were partially in the office or sometimes virtual for me as the adult in the group. And then they went virtual completely. Um, and it was, it was, it was really, really hard um, yeah. because the, the schools weren't prepared. And then as a parent, having to be prepared for your child who you don't know their schedule in school right? Making sure everybody's online at the right time, making sure people are also taking breaks and eating lunch and breakfast and are prepared. Like the routine for me has always been, okay, we get up between 6.15 and 6.30. Everyone starts getting ready for school. 
we take allergy medicines for my youngest daughter and then we get ready and then we're out the door and everybody's at school by no later than 7.45. And so I go about my day and get dressed, go to an office or, you know, now to a computer. And then my day is just worried about getting them home from school. When they're in your presence, it's a whole different ball game, right? Right. So it's like a, a full-time job, like trying 100%. to make sure they stay on task. Yeah, all of that sort of thing. So that's one of the things they talked about. But for me, like, I feel like everybody was talking about it then in 2020 when all of this happened. But now I see everybody dealing with it, but I don't see any conversations about it. And that for me is just like, okay, so did we solve that problem? I don't think we did. We did not. (laughs) And why didn't? And why haven't we thought about this? Like, we're literally almost two years of dealing with this pandemic. Well, you know, of course it started at the end of 2019. So it's been, it's been officially two years that we've been dealing with it. And it's just like, there's still no solutions for trying to help, you know, support the workforce because I'm just like, okay, so the PBS article said about a million, it was about, I said it was like 865,000 women um, left. But I'm just like, if all of the women left the workforce in America though, like it would be a disaster. Because... Let me tell you something. The, the whole, the whole <laughs> would system would, would collapse. collapse. It would. It would collapse. And people don't understand how integral women are to the way businesses run. Yes. The creativity, the hard work, the extra hours that a woman will put in over a man because she cannot drop the ball on any part of her job because the first thing people will say, well, oh, you know, she has kids. As if kids are a hindrance to a woman's life because the man isn't necessarily responsible for taking care of the children. It's always the woman's job. And so if this, if, if women, every woman was like, you know what, I'm done here and left a job, we, listen, the world there would be, Yes. So, and that's the thing, like, I know that, and I know there's a lot of fathers out there. Like I was raised by my father and my husband too. So I know that, that there are a lot of fathers there who are like, that's but true. it's actually really, it's actually really rare because one of the things that's that I really, really love rare. about my husband and I's relationship is that we do have that balance because of that kind of like lack of gender roles, because we yeah. were nurtured so much by our fathers that it's easier for us to um, like, you know, like my husband is a better is a better cook than I am. And I don't have a problem with that. I feel sure. like some women might have a problem with that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, no, there's been, yeah. and there's been times when I've made more money than him. And there's been times when he's made more money than me. And we have a true partnership for that reason. So I know that there are a lot of men out there who, who do partner with, who do partner with their, you know, spouses. And there are even, you know, two, two husband or two spouse um, yeah. households. So I understand that, but at the same time, there is not a discussion about how many men left the workforce to take care of the At children. all. Right? At all. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I get that there are some stay-at-home fathers and a lot of fathers yeah. who are very involved in their parents, their children's lives, but the impact is completely different, you know? Yeah, because there are so many women who are actually in the workforce that we don't even talk about that and we're still underpaid. That's a whole other conversation. but. Right. You know what I mean? There are so many women who are balancing motherhood, 
um, and careers that it's, it's astounding because no one cares about men and fatherhood in the workplace, but they care so much about women and motherhood in the workplace because for a lot of businesses, a woman having a baby is a liability. Right. It's a liability because now, you know, she may have to change her insurance to add a family plan. You know, if her child gets sick, she can't come in as if children are some sort of stumbling block to the way life works. Right. And they're not. I mean, they're treated like a disease. Let's be honest. They are. They're treated like a disease. And I really, I really struggle with it. That's, and that's part of, and that's honestly, for me, part of why I don't have children. Because I have seen how hard it is for women. Mm -hmm. Like for me, having eight siblings, I have five older siblings. And when I was in middle school, a lot of them started having children because like my older sister is 10 years older than me. So when I was in middle school, she was like 24, 25. Um, So they they were starting to have kids and I helped them a lot with their children. And I know how hard it is to help raise children. And I was was literally just there to help. But I... Like I can never be deluded by that. Like I can never have a delusion that having a yep. child was going to be this great thing because I saw how unsupportive our society is with yeah. child rearing. And yeah. for me, like I remember being, a, I remember even just talking about it negatively when I was interviewing for a residency, which was not mm. what I should have done because you know, of course, I didn't really understand where a lot of those feelings were coming from. Sure. Um, but I articulated that it. it just seemed it just I just didn't see myself like having a child in residency. Yeah. And, um, and I know plenty of people did, but for me, it's just like, I think I've just been kind of traumatized by how unsupportive our culture is for women who are working. Like I just see so many women have to struggle a lot more than men and figure it out. And it just seems very stressful. And I just was like, I don't want to do that. You know, I get it. hundred percent. It's, it's a whole mess out here trying to be a mom have a career and, and take care of yourself as well, because everything and everyone relies on you. Yeah. And I, I always say, if I go down, the whole house is going down because who's going to take care of everybody. Yeah. You know, and there is, but it it makes me sad. It's the reality. But I, but for me, I understand it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. And I think for me, it was like, you know, like, I know there's some people who can be really terrible about people who have children, like, oh, those breeders. You ever heard anybody call people that breeders? No. Oh, oh my God. Yes, it's yes, disgusting. Yes, yes, yes. It's disgusting. Yes. But it's like, that's not why I didn't want to have children. I just, I just understood that I had to either choose my career or having children. Mm. And it makes me sad that I had to do that. And I understand yeah. that it's not like eventually, like I did want to have children when I was younger, but yeah. it was kind of like, as I got older and more tired, just from working as a doctor, I was yeah. like, I don't see how this shit is ever going to work. I was going to work. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I shouldn't guess, I guess, but it just, it just seemed, <laughs> it just seemed really hard and exhausting. And for me, part of it too, like a lot of my, um, a lot of my colleagues are married to very supportive um, spouses who help a lot with their children. And for me, being married to another physician, it was like one mm. of us or both of us are going to have, like, yeah. it's just really hard to navigate. And I see a lot of double physician um, couples mm. um, hire nannies and that sort of thing. And I was just like, but it all just seems so complicated. It's just like, you know, finding nannies, paying them, 
feeding. You know what I mean? It just seemed like a whole ball of worms. But I was just like, <laughs> that just seemed, it just it just seemed very overwhelming to me. And so like I was I was watching. So I, I sent you the link for the PBS article. But there was yes. also a documentary that was on there. Okay. And it talked about how complicated it was two women who had had a child. Um, like I watched like the first 15 minutes of it. Okay. And just in that first 15 minutes, it was just so much information. It was like two women who had had a child and they talked about how they like the, the baby was like four weeks and people were like, oh, what wait, wait list are you on for, for daycare? And they were like, wait list. <laughs> you know? Girl. So, so they didn't know that you had to be on a wait list to get into a daycare. So they had to figure out their jobs and flex. Like one of them stayed home for six months and the other one, like they kind of like tag team, like one of them stayed home for six months and took care of the baby. Then the other one went part-time and then they had a nanny, um, the other half while she was at work. So, but for me, like, I know all of that, like just seeing yeah. like my sisters deal with it and seeing my colleagues deal with it. It was just like, I had too much information about how broken our childcare system is. And I was like, I just, I just, uh, you know, I'm just going to have to be team auntie life forever. Yeah. Even with the best laid plans, something can always go wrong. You know what I mean? Even if you're on the wait list, even if you interview and you know what I mean? Like the thing is, is that the biggest thing is that it always falls in the woman's lap to make it right. Yeah. No one cares about the spouse, um, male or female, right? It's the yeah. woman who had the baby. It is her responsibility to make it right and to make it work. Right. And, you know, true story, and I, a lot of people don't know this. Um, when I started kind of really into my career after I had my um, oldest daughter, I didn't tell people I had kids because I didn't want to be looked at as the black woman who had kids who wouldn't yeah. be able to do her job. I was yeah. so afraid that I was going to be judged that I didn't even mention I had kids. Right. And so like I was into a job for almost a year and a half. And we had um, an event and my daughter came. <laughs> and they were like, wait, what? Wait yeah. a minute, when did this happen? Right? And, yeah. you know, I just didn't want to be labeled. I didn't right. want people to be worried I couldn't do my job because I had a baby. Right. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, they, they're treated like like a disease, like stigma. There's yeah. so much stigma. And, that's, and I've seen that happen with my colleagues, too. Like, people being upset that they're pumping because they just had babies. All yeah. sorts of stuff. Like I've just seen so much ridiculousness, and it's just—it's just like makes me so sad because I know that it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah, it doesn't, and it's so unfair because, like we talked about before, we you know we started. Where would we be without women? There would be no society. Like, no. where would we be without women? Without the moms who gave up their careers to stay home with their children, the moms who stopped working because. The spouse lost their job, you know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, she had to go back into the workforce. The moms like me who, you know, I'm a single mom, you know, I'm just making, I'm making it work and I'm still doing a really, really good job. You know, the people who, the moms who are on the PTA and the, you know, making the school go around and, 
you know, signing up to be the te- this, the room teacher, where would we, because we don't, I don't see a lot of room dads. Well, have you heard of a room dad? I haven't heard of a room dad. Right. And but it's, I mean, it's, for me, it is unfortunate because like men could be very valuable in a lot of these roles, but it's 100%. like they, they devalue so much of the work that, that women do to take care of children and yeah. they look down on it. And like, so part of the documentary also, they talked about like how much people get paid to work in childcare centers. They said that they are being paid like $12 an hour right now. Oh my gosh. What? And they're talking about how they can't even compete with Target and McDonald's at this point. Wow. But meanwhile, like Congress can't try to help, you know, pass any kind of legislation to help sus- subsidize, you know, paying for child care. Because that's the thing for me, like for me, what's interesting is that, you know, my husband and I at this point in our lives, we're both because what a lot of people don't realize that I don't talk about a lot is that I financially supported my husband for about eight years. Mm. And then the past, I feel like maybe four years, he's supported me like as I went through cancer and everything. Sure. And so like, you know, having that true partnership, we've had different times when we've had, you know, more money or less money and that sort of thing, but we've always made it work. But for me, like we pay a lot of money in taxes. And so people never want to hear about two doctors complaining about oh, money, right? Yeah. But mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't, for me, it's like, I talk about it sometimes because I'm like, part of the reason is like, I don't know where we would have paid for having childcare. Like how do you pay mm-hmm. for having a nanny when you got to pay for loans, you got to pay a mortgage and you yeah. got to pay for gas. But one yeah. of the things that people don't realize is that over the past 20 years, everything is expensive is so much more expensive like college <laughs> is way more expensive like i, I remember yeah. being upset when i was in high school because i went to ohio state and and the year 2000 ohio state cost two thousand dollars in tuition what when i graduated high school in 2002 it, it doubled to four thousand and wow. by the time i graduated in 2006 it cost eight thousand dollars so in a matter of six years, it went from $2,000 to $8,000. And then the interest rates all went up. Oh, I feel yeah, like around like 2005. Uh, I was in school, like I was in school the whole time this was happening because I was in school until 2010 in medical school. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. I saw how like everything like quadrupled in price. Yeah. And then the interest rates also like tripled. So it's like, okay, so I got to pay these student loans and now houses are more expensive. And now cars are more expensive mm-hmm. and now gas is more expensive. How am I supposed to even afford to have a child? Like, so yep. it was like the, it was like the way that, you know, women are treated in the workplace was one thing. And the, the difficulty of like, you know, navigating all of that was a whole other thing. But then it was just like the actual, like my paycheck, <laughs> looking at my paycheck and being like, how do people even afford to have How do people children? even afford children with, with the way that we are paid, it is not an easy feat at all because public school has fees just as much as, you know, private school has fees. Now you're not paying a tuition every semester, but you are paying fees for something for the school. If your child plays a sport, you're paying for that as well. You know, transportation to get your child there. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it is very difficult. And when you look at your 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 paycheck, your take home pay at the end of the day, you're like, how am I making 
this work, not only right. just paying for my children, but paying to live where we live. Right. To the, the food that we eat. <laughs> right. Know? I just, I mean, now, so like, you know, I like, I feel like my job situation, they have adjusted our salaries to be more reflective of the inflation. So I feel like I probably could afford it now with how sure. much money I'm making now. But, you know, like, but five years ago, it would have been rough, you know? So yeah. it's just one of those yeah. things for me. Like, and if I feel that way from a double position, Oh, I'm just like, you know, and that's the thing, like, the thing for me is I'm just like, we pay a lot of money in taxes too, right? So obviously if we had children, we'd probably pay less, but I'm just like, that's still cheaper than children. How much more we pay in taxes? But it's just like, but what is our tax? What are our taxes doing? Because if I have to pay, (laughs) if I have to pay for my own medical, like I didn't, I went to college on a scholarship, but I had to pay for my own medical school. It was $200,000. My husband also went to school undergrad on a scholarship and only have to pay for medical school, but it was $200,000. Both of our debt is more than how much our mortgage costs in our home. So that's a problem number one. But then the interest is so high (laughs) to the point that you can barely even pay it off. Right? Yep. Yep. So it's like the interest on the loans are a lot higher than the house interest. Yeah. So it's like all of these things that, you know, like nobody really is talking about. Nobody tells you about no yeah so it's just like okay so i had so i'm paying taxes now but i have to pay for my own school i have to pay for my own health insurance i have to pay for you know if we had children i would have to we would have to pay um for child care and it's just like what what do our taxes pay for (laughs) you know like it's 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 frustrating for me because like it's not a lot of people who have that perspective. Like we pay like we pay like a lot of money in taxes. I believe so, it. So, but it's just like, but you get to the place like America tells you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? Yep. Go and be rich, right? But yep. then it's like, okay, like I don't like why do I? But it's it, but it's insane because it's like I pay more taxes probably than like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like, of course, their business generates a lot of tax. So it's just like, you know, like there's this idea of like the wealthy and then the people who are just like kind of like upper middle class. Like, I guess I would be considered like, I don't know, it's not upper middle class, but lower middle class, like low, I don't know what, I don't know what the designation would be, but I'm (laughs) in the, like one time somebody, like, I didn't even realize that, you know, we're kind of like at, we're at a level of money where most people don't make it. So you make it to that level. But then you're just like, well, this is kind of messed up because I got to pay for everything and yeah. I don't get any help with anything. No kickback. Which yep. I don't care because I grew up, I grew up like with Medicaid and getting food stamps because I'm from a big family and that sort of thing. And I, you know, if anybody ever wants to hate on that, my parents actually had money when they had all these children. And then they got into a situation where they sure. needed some help and I'm happy that the help was there. So yeah. I don't complain about that, but it's just one of those ideas of like that we're doing something wrong in America. When no, people... where's the breakdown? Where's the break? <laughs> like, no fucking real. It's, like... Like, it's like okay, I get that. I, I want to pay my taxes and I want to support all that we do, but when do I get to benefit? A hundred percent. And I'm that's the thing. Say. That's the thing. People don't talk about money and taxes because they're so afraid of what other people are going to think. But if people actually knew other people's financial situations, they'd be like, oh, 
oh wow well um this don't sound too hot either like when Biggie said more money more problems I was like yeah. oh it's just it's you know what I mean it's and it's not like I mean it is kind of that way no money, more problems, but but it just becomes different you know what I mean you spend your money differently that sort of thing because you gotta you gotta worry about your retirement it's all yep. this sort of thing it's like like it's just so so many things about money but it's just for me I'm just like part of it is that you know, you, you, you get, you achieve the American dream and you get to that, you know, top earner, you know, like, I guess that's what we would consider mm-hmm. in our, you know, we'd be considered like top earners. So you get to that level of like top earners, but you're not a millionaire. You're not a billionaire. Right. right. So you, but we are like, because we pay taxes, but you're we, still penalized. No, like, but I'm just, but I'm saying that we pay taxes, but a lot of the ultra rich don't. Right. So we that's are very true. the backbone of the country <laughs> but we often don't get anything back for it and I like like yeah. I said for me it's like whatever but had I had some of that Children. tax money that yeah. I pay gone to child court child care yeah. and like a system that works I probably would have had a child yeah you know I probably would have yeah. been like okay well I'm paying my taxes and my you know the um there's good child care and the taxes pay for the child care like I would probably have felt better about it but there's so many there's so many people in this tax bracket that i'm in who are so bitter about it they're so bitter about it they're like i don't want to pay for these kids and it's just like part of the reason they're bitter is because they don't get the benefit from it yeah 100 percent. i mean and that's the thing like <laughs> i can't be mad that y'all are mad because it don't make make it make sense the math right. is not mathing. okay and if you're paying more taxes than most people, why don't you benefit? Like there's that cutoff where people under your tax bracket are benefiting and then people above your tax bracket are benefiting, but you are the ones who are holding, you're the foundation. Yes. <laughs> right. And so that's, <laughs> right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you feel ridiculous talking about it. You know what I mean? Because you know that so many people are in a worse situation than you, but it's just like, but this is part of why, like, how do we but this is part of why it's hard to have a conversation about like how do we spend our tax money different because there's all these people who are like well i don't want to pay more taxes but it's just like but where does the money go yeah i I need a receipt because so it's like so we we have we have plenty of money like i i know how much money i've paid in the past you know eight years since i've been attending i know how much tax money i paid and i know that there's plenty of people around the country who are doing the same thing and but it's just like our values are just so crazy and that's one of them like it's just like our values like Mm -hmm. we spend all this money on wars we spend all this money on all types of stuff that that doesn't doesn't raise our children you know (laughs) like literally so it's just like and that's and so when people talk about like oh like you know the subsidized um you know housing probably needs to be subsidized at this point I was about to say something that's housing because that's that's usually more of a thing that people talk about. Um, so, mm-hmm. but we're talking about childcare right now. So if we subsidize yeah. childcare, we could pay people more money and we could have more childcare centers. Um, they have, of course, need to be paid at of least course. $50 an hour, but more I mean, like $20, $20 an hour. Like they should be, yeah. They're, they're, they're risking their lives because people send their kids to daycare sick, yeah. you know, 
they're taking care of your child as if you would be like they're they're doing a lot more than sitting around watching Barney right. all day. Exactly. They're, yeah. You know what I mean? Changing children, feeding children, taking care of children. It's they are treated as if they are the low rung on the totem pole, and yet they are one of the most necessary evils, if you will. And we're just components, components in the in the wheel, and our little like spokes of the wheel, like they would be the 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 what is it like the axle? Yeah, of, that, of like of yeah. that car, they would be the axle, like holding it all together. Yes, because without them, a lot of women wouldn't be able to go to work outside of their home. A lot of women wouldn't be able to have very big careers. You know what I mean? With nannies or daycare centers or providers. A lot of women would not be able to be CEOs, VPs, directors, all of those things, because there's no way to be able to manage that much responsibility and take care of your children on the same level. It's just not possible. And so to treat people who are caretakers of your children, you know, to not pay them what they deserve. It's just like, it's like doctors, to be honest, like you guys are underpaid just as much as teachers. You know yeah. what I mean? Because because that, that I, I mean people think the doctors make all of this money, but there was some article that said that for how much money we are in debt and for all the years we train and get paid like not a lot of money, we could have made the same amount of money being teachers. Yeah. So part of the yeah. reason why doctors are paid well now is because it took us a long time to get to this <laughs> like yeah. uh, decades to get to the point where 100%. you're paid well. But you could have also spent that same invested that same time as being a teacher and have more in your retirement and all that sort of stuff. Like we lose a lot 100%. of time. We lose a lot of time that we could have been putting money into our retirement and everything. So people, people, you know, like I said, most people just don't ever feel sorry for doctors in our plight. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that you understand that, like, you know, we, no, I we mean, literally, I, they literally expect us to do the job of two people, too. You know, yeah, yes, you are your, you are the service provider. You are also the admin. Like, people don't, you know, I don't know the, all the ins and outs about being a doctor, but having doctor friends like you, knowing how much work it takes, like, you're not just sitting around taking blood pressure and checking on patients like there's so much work that has to be done after you've seen a patient versus when you see them right you know what I mean and so people don't take that into consideration with regard to daycare and child care there's so Mm -hmm. much work that has to be you know I when I was a kid we used to go to a daycare center before we went to school in the morning so they were open early number one you know, so they're taking themselves away from their families to come right. in and open early for, for school kids before they go to school, before the, the daycare kids even show up, right? Yeah. And then they're keeping us and then they would give us a snack. So that's food from the food that they were going to feed the other kids, you know, sanitizing the space, you know, making sure that we were safe because technically we were a liability because we weren't a- attached to the daycare center because our parents didn't sign any kind of contracts, right? <laughs> so yeah, right. It was yeah. more of a favor, right? Yeah. No one takes into consideration what it goes into a lot of jobs like this because right. all they see like service, like the done. service industry in general. Service like people, industry as a whole. Just just yeah. working with the public, and that's what like I me, mean, obviously we see that now with 
with the pandemic, there's so many service industries and just working with the, and like public health and just like, you know, public school and all this sort of thing. There's so much work that we do that's unseen and unpaid. Yep. yep. And, you know, it's, and it's one of those things where if we reprioritize things, like I said, I, I pay a lot of money in taxes and uh, like a lot of people do pay a lot of money in taxes yeah. and how hard would it be to try to figure out how to fit it into the budget? Like, cause a lot of times when people talk about this, the, the worry that a lot of people who, have, who pay a lot of taxes is that they're going to be, they're going to have to pay more taxes. Yeah. And it's like, that's not what the goal is. The goal would be for the taxes to stay the same and for some of the ultra rich to pay more money in taxes and to have less tax go. loopholes and all those sort of things. Exactly. Um, you know, so, but the, and the other thing is they do it in other countries. It's like other they countries have figured it out. It's not rocket science. Like so many countries have figured out how to have, you know, affordable childcare, subsidized childcare, affordable healthcare, um, all types of things. Like they yeah, it, figured it's, out. It's a, it's a lot of greed and it's a lot of people not wanting to see other people thrive, <laughs> to be honest. Like, come on. Yeah. I mean. It's just, no, and I mean, it's, it's a lack of empathy, but it's also like a, it's a, it's a like strategic devaluing of yes. women and a lot of the work yes. that we do. And that was one yep. of the things that came up in the PBS, like a documentary. It was talking about that where like childcare, the, the origins of childcare in the U S are based in slavery. And so when you have, when you own slaves and humans and you could make them do whatever they wanted them to do um, as your property, a lot of the women, uh, black women, were in charge of taking care of the white women's children. children. Yeah. And so for so long in this country, just like so many other things have, you know, slavery as the as kind of the crux of why things are so messed up in the U.S. is like, you know, it's been devalued from slavery and and it's like and and for and from a, it's like racism and like sexism all wrapped yes. in one. Yes, and literally. so, so as, and even now, like they talked about even now that a lot of the women who work in childcare centers are women of color. Yeah. And I think that, I think that like they said, the workforce in childcare centers is at least 90% women. Like men, men, men could do, men could be child, like child caregivers and all that sort of thing. So that's why I kind of like shouted out at the beginning that my dad did, my dad, did a lot of work to raise me and my husband's father did a lot of work to raise him. But it's like, instead of trying to, you know, value women and say, okay, well, we value this job that men and women can do it. It's like, they take yep. things and say, those are women. That's women's work. That's what a woman's supposed to do. Yep. That's, that's a woman's work. It's not worth any money. It's not worth anything to our society. Yeah. Because women aren't worth anything to our society. You know, like that's the yeah. message that we get like all day, every day. And it's funny because women are groomed a lot of times to, you know, cook and clean. Like when you are a young girl, the first thing your mother tries to do is to show you how to cook. She's not bringing your brother in the kitchen. She's bringing you in the kitchen. So you know how to clean a house. Mother's showing you how to do that. Cleaning your laundry. Men are in their freaking 20s and 30s don't know how to clean a house well can't cook you know what I mean like yeah my brother when I was a kid he cleaned the bathroom and he took out the garbage me and my sister we cleaned the entire rest of the house and we also did laundry 
like where is the equity there right and that's where it, that's where it starts it starts with that sort of thing of like treating the men special that oh yes. they they only have to do these things while the women do these but that's exactly. what I'm saying like in my house there were like for a long time there were no men <laughs> like it was just my dad and we didn't right. have any brothers until my brother is like seven years younger than me so like a lot of my sisters weren't even in the house anymore when he was born you know what I mean so like wow, it was just a yeah. house full of women so we all had to take turns doing everything it was just like, like a lot of it was just very equitable it was like, yeah. we, we all had to like take turns doing things. Um, obviously, I mean, there was still some inequality in that because some people had different skills and that sort of thing. 100%, yeah. But, uh, and then of course the age differences. Yeah. And then, but like my husband is the oldest and my dad is the oldest. And I always kind of joke that I married my father because, <laughs> because my husband is the oldest of two sisters. And so he like started cooking when he was six years old. And, but he took an interest in it. And it's funny because like, you know, there was that whole debate about like, whether or not you should buy your son a cooking set or whatever. Oh my God, the cooking oh set. Yes. yes. So there was like, that's what, you know, like the culture, like the socialization we have for men, like, oh, you're better than that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yes. But oh. what's crazy about that discussion about my husband learning to cook at six years old is he learned from his father who was in the army. His father yeah. was a sergeant in the army. And in the army, they teach you how to cook, yes. how to clean, how to sew, how to, how to survive. Fish. Yes, how to survive. Like it's survival skills. It's, it's so it's so insane that we like take all of these survival skills and gender them and then tell yes. you know, people, oh, well, you're not allowed to do this and you're not allowed to do that. And that sort of thing. And I felt like some of that even in my family, because I was raised Muslim, which I don't really talk about a lot. <laughs> but I felt like my dad was kind of me that way. Well, like, oh, well, you don't need to know the Quran. Your husband will know, you know, kind of things like, well, right. Okay. You know, <laughs> right. there's a, you know, religious sexism and all that kind of stuff that happens too. But, but just in general, like you're talking about general survival skills and yes. my husband learned all of this stuff from his father. And it's just, it's crazy because my my husband was like we were born in the 80s and so it's unheard of to have you know like a my my father-in-law was somewhat of a stay-at-home father so most people don't have stay-at-home fathers at that point because at all yeah it wasn't a thing you know yet and it's still barely a thing now and so for me like I've just benefited so much from having a husband who was really not raised with gender roles you know mm-hmm. <laughs> he was just yeah. like you got to cook, you got to clean and survive. Sometimes you got to sew. Sometimes you got to fish. Sometimes you got to yeah. fix cars. You know what I mean? Like, he's just like, it's yeah. just life. you know, it's just life and his skills, you know? A hundred percent. But like the way society works, as we've been talking about, this is truly, women are supposed to fend for themselves and make everything work while men are just literally handed how to like, you'll be fine because your wife will take care of you. The women in your life will always take care of you. And it's funny because that's kind of how, you know, I've seen some things like that in my own family. When we had, my grandmother had seven children and of her seven children, three of them were, were boys. And so my grandmother takes very good care of her son. During holidays, all the grandchildren and the, the greats and her children we would get together and the men would always be fed first, right? Their spouse would make sure they had a plate and then it was the children and then it was the women. And it was like, there's always going to be someone there to take care of you as a man 
So you'll be fine. You don't really need to know how to do anything but stay alive because someone will take care of you. Meanwhile, as a woman, you are groomed to take care of other people, right? Except for yourself, right? And, <laughs> and which is the irony kidding. of it all. The irony of yeah. it all is like you, like there was a book that I read, um, that Eat, Pray, Love book. That's one of the things oh, that she yeah. said at the beginning of the book because she ended up getting divorced, and people were like, you know, you went and had this great experience, and you left your husband behind. You're supposed to stay and make it work. And she's like, as women, people tell us our, our lives belong to people. Like your life, yeah. when, you're, when you're a young girl, your life belongs to your father. Whatever yeah. your father asks you for, you're supposed to do. And yeah. your mother, of course, too, but mostly your father. And then whatever, then, you know, then you're supposed to get married to a man. And whatever yeah. that man wants, you're supposed to do. And then your children come along. And whenever you, whenever you have those children, you got to, you know, dedicate yourself to them. And I, of course, like, of course, I understand that piece because yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's no devalue you know. there, but it's right. There's never a conversation about you. Right. Exactly. Everything is always about everybody else. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that it creates a lot of insecurity in women because then it makes it it makes it harder for you to really decide like because that's one of the things she said in the book because she was like you know we're always we're socialized to say that our lives belong to other people but she's like but what if your life belongs to you yeah what would you even do with your life like what do you want out of your life and that's one of the things for me that's the saddest thing to see like young women not really be challenged to even figure out life for themselves it's like they're they're socialized to just let life happen right and part of it is like these disney movies like i remember watching mulan have you ever seen mulan yes i remember watching mulan and being so angry at the end because it was such a great movie yeah it was and then at the end she saved all of china and then she goes home and her family's not impressed with her saving all of china they're impressed by this man that she brought home Yes, I was so really angry, was. but I'm just like, but this is what young women see. You know, <laughs> they watch all of these Disney movies and mm-hmm. they're like, this Prince Charming is supposed to come and save me. But really, you're saving him because he don't know how to do nothing. <laughs> Literally, you came up with the entire idea as to how to save an entire country. <laughs> and everybody's so excited that you brought him home. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's a there isn't a true, like, you know, you hear about self-care, but, you know, what does that look like for a woman outside of candles and bubble baths and, you know, self-care is finding a therapist Um, because as a mom, you know, who do you talk to when, you know, if you're a single mom specifically, who do you talk to when you are trying to navigate your life, right? right? Your career, how to be a better parent if that's what you're trying to be, you know, finding really great healthcare providers because, you know, something you may know and you have probably heard and seen, you know, Black women are less likely to have our pain really taken into consideration than white women. You know, finding people who will take care of you in the medical field has been very difficult for myself, but how, how do you navigate that? You right. know, what, what do and you even do? Just going to, yeah. And even just like going to the doctor in general. So it's one yeah. thing to like, you know, navigate finding the, the, uh, like the, that 
therapeutic relationship with therapists and with your physicians and everything uh, or nurse practitioners. And, but it's a whole other thing to, to like find the time. Cause that's what I do a lot as, yep. because that's yep. part of what is like really bad about this, this way we socialize young women is that I've seen so many times when like somebody has late stage, like breast cancer, or mm. they've had a stroke because they didn't manage their blood pressure. Like I see the yeah. actual like physical impact that it has on women to yeah. have to go through all of this stuff and have people devalue us. And so for me, part of my self-care is advocacy. Like I yeah. advocate for my patients to take care of themselves. I advocate, I like, you know, sometimes write letters for people. <laughs> I mean, like give them a month yeah. off. You know what I mean? Like, so part yeah. of my, part of my like contribution to that is trying to advocate for people to take care of themselves and be part of that too. Like around, like that's the point of having this podcast, but also just the people who, who I know are moms or who are not moms who are just struggling, just trying to, just trying to be supportive and nurturing to them and be loving. Like that's what I, that's the whole point of all of this too. Is like, we need to figure out how to love each other more, how to support each other more and like how to like do that, but also like challenge our society to be different. So for me, that would be the next question for you. Like what kind of things do you do to try to help your daughters like really understand you know, like how to deconstruct some of those gender roles and how to deconstruct some of that messaging that they receive. Sure. So, you know, my daughters see me, you know, as the strong mom and, you know, just kind of doing it all. But, you know, one of the big things for me was if you need to talk to somebody and it doesn't have, it doesn't have to be me, I'll help you find someone, you know, showing my children that therapy and things like that, you know, can be swag, can be scary. It's also not a bad thing because people need someone to talk to. Um, You know, letting my daughters know that it doesn't matter what they do in their lives. Girl, if you want to sell street art, do it. You can do whatever it is that you want to do, but advocate for yourself to be paid your worth. You know, there is no one smarter or better than you. We are all just as good and we are all just as deserving, but you will have to work hard you know, yeah. you know, letting them know that, like, nothing is impossible unless they make it that way, right? And you don't need anyone to make you happy. You should make yourself happy right. first, you know, and, like, it's just some of the things that I needed to hear when I was growing up are the things that I try to teach my daughters, right? Like, yeah. who you are will be who you are forever, right? People will see you however they want to see you, but who you believe you are to yourself is the most important thing. And to just strive to be a really great person, right? Like we all mess yeah. up. We're not always going to get it right, but there's there the only person you should be accountable to is yourself. Right. Because when you wake up in the morning and you look at yourself in the mirror, the one thing you're going to want to, <laughs> you're going to want to be happy with who you are. Right. And the things that you do, um, yeah. everybody isn't going to like you and that's okay. Like, you know, like, right now you're telling them some really great things because I think that, you know, it's really, it really has to come from within. Like we, we have to know that we're worthy of like yeah. all of the love that we don't get from our society. Yep. And, then, and then that helps inspire us to, 
to go and go be in Congress, like AOC yeah. and, yes. and um, you know, the, the what do they call them? The, oh no, I want to say the Super Four, the Fab Four. Do they call them the Fab Four? Yeah, I think um, it's the Fab Four. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, to advocate for them to go, to go into politics, to advocate for them to go be doctors and change things. Because for me, like yeah. what I do is I, I do a lot for my medical students. Like they come over to my house and they they know that my husband is the one who cooks, you know? <laughs> Like yeah. I'm ordering food from a restaurant because I'm not the chef of this house, you know. <laughs> so you know, just just modeling for them like that. There are different ways to be, and and especially as a physician, like we really need supportive partners. And it's okay, yeah. like you know. So I have I do a lot of work with my mentees to let them know, like you know, you're here at this place where you are in a position to change the world but you're also in a position to change your home life and have it however you want it to be. And you don't have Correct. to listen to what society tells you about how your home life should be. Yep. Yep. That's exactly it. Looking outside of yourself will make you confused and bitter and angry and hurt. You know, choose yourself first and whatever that looks like, whether that's therapy, whether that's, you know, changing your health, whether that is eat, pray, and loving yourself through whatever it is you need to do, choose yourself first, right? And, you know, I sat my daughters down several years ago, one Christmas season, and I said, I I want each one of them very differently. You know, they're they're all different ages at that point. And we had, you know, age-appropriate conversation, but I said, I want to be a better mom to you. Yeah, You know, show, show me how to do that. You know, and that helps that helped me yeah. as a woman, you know, because I felt like I was doing it wrong. And they're like, Mommy, you know, you're not. And, but no, but that's yeah, that's that's really great that you did that, because that's one of the things that sometimes for me, you know, being raised in the black community, I feel like sometimes we we get so caught up in trying to control our kids and yeah. that can have a lot of effect on them. But it's kind of like you know, like that whole idea, like children should be seen and not heard. Yeah. But it's like, but if you're doing that to your children, you don't, you're missing opportunities to speak life into them, to really get to know them and to really get to know what their passions are and to really get to know how to support them. So having like that, like letting it be a dialogue, right? A hundred percent. Like, you know, silencing women, especially female daughter, like female children, you silence a female early on, she will be silent for the rest of her life when it comes to advocating for herself, you know, and I have conversations with my daughters. Listen, and something my mother used to say to us when we were kids, I may not like what you're about to tell me, but I want to hear it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather you told me that something happened to you or I needed to help you with something and I didn't because I would feel terrible. You know, I never wanted to silence my daughters and there were times in my life that I was silenced as a kid and I want them to like even when they're mad at me you know like as long as you are respectable with the way that you present your anger we're fine here we can talk about it right you know, and I've had my daughter say that you hurt my feelings and you know I'm mad at you and you know as an adult woman I have apologized to my right. daughters you know what I mean things that something that has never happened to me when I was a kid, mom didn't apologize to me. Yeah. But as an adult, 
you know, to be able to look my children in their eyes and, and completely be sincere and apologize to them gives them the power to stand up for themselves in situations where people hurt them. Right. Um, you that's know, so, that's not something that's so we're powerful. taught. Yeah, it's very, it's very powerful. And I think that, you know, that that's, you know, kind of where we are with trying to advocate for women to have a better place in our societies that we have to yeah. raise confident women who will stand up for themselves and stand up for yeah. all women. 100%. Well, that's our time. And I really want to thank you so much for being here again, Alex. Thank this was you. A, this was a really amazing conversation. And I think that we're going to save all of humanity with uh, with this one today. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> at, least, at least part of it, if not all of it. <laughs> I hope that we could at least move it one step forward. I feel like we had a lot of really, we had a really, a lot of really important, you know, dialogue about different things. So yeah, thanks you for everyone who, you know, listens, listens to us, um, on our rants, you know, <laughs> um, and I definitely want to wish everybody, um, a great self-love Saturday. And I want you always to remember that loving yourself is an act of rebellion. Self-love Saturday, help live with love. Self-love Saturday, breaking cycles, we rebels. Self-love Saturday, help live with love. Self-love Saturday, breaking cycles, we rebels.